Welcome back, listeners. We are so excited for you to be joining us another day, another episode of One of Us is Always Right. I am Adam. It's McLean. And one of us today will always be right. Not the whole time. We'll take turns being right, I'm sure. It's going to be fun no matter what. At Uh-oh. least one of us will be right on one or more of the topics we're talking about today. Yes, but that didn't fit well in a title bar, so yeah. <laughs> he made it shorter. <laughs> um, today, we're going to start off as usual with our Get Excited segment. We've got some new and upcoming trailers for TV shows or movies um, that we are excited about and want to get you excited about as well. Um, so that's going to be fun. We'll move into McLean's reaction to Ben Affleck's The Town followed by his recommendations for me this week. And then we'll move into our blast from the past. And in honor of Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon, their Oscar from Goodwill Hunting, we chose the year 1997 this week, um, which we were just talking about off air is a good to great year, depending a little bit, I think, on your day. Um, so yeah. excited about that. Um, but first, let's, as always, get excited, get started with Get Excited. McLean, what has you excited? Yeah, I actually uh, just saw this trailer today, um, and I think it probably dropped a little while ago, but uh, it's a movie coming out in September of this year, so it's a little early to be getting excited about it, but it's The Equalizer 3. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this trailer yet, but he basically goes to a new town, um, I think it's in, oh, it's in Italy. He goes to southern Italy, finds a new town, new family to sort of like latch on to, finds peace and happiness, and then the mafia comes and starts tormenting the town, and so he takes on the entire Italian mafia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really like the Equalizer series. I think the first one is fantastic. The mm-hmm. second one has some really great stuff in the beginning. I don't know if I like the villain as much in that one. He's not as much like the love-to-hate kind of villain of, of the first one, but this is also a repairing of Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning, who uh, we know from Man on Fire. Which so is she's a gr- all grown up great now. Movie. Yeah, I think she's playing sort of like a CIA agent, kind of the new new generation. And so uh, she's kind of there to, to supervise him and make sure that he's not going too far off the rails. And okay. yeah, of course he, he does. But yeah, I love, I love Denzel Washington. I will watch him in anything. And I think his... Uh, I, I think his sort of trajectory of taking on this sort of like um, old man, badass persona, the quality level of, of these films has stayed on a lot better than mm-hmm. the Taken series with, with Liam Neeson. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Liam Neeson's been a little bit more on the miss side for me. Uh, although Cold Pursuit, if you've seen that one, great, great Liam Neeson revenge flick. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Equalizer three, pretty excited. Yeah, I, 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 I think I'd, I'd agree with you that the Liam Neeson stuff doesn't, you know, the, the, the takens don't hold water as they go through. They just kind of stay, or they don't stay. They kind of go downward as you get to the series. Yeah, uh, Equalizer two definitely um, up there with one. I don't think it's better than one, but Denzel, as far as the actor, definitely holds yeah. his own in all, everything that he does. Um, a lot like I would say, um, Keanu from John oh, Wick. Yeah, you know where it's just like like I think what what kind of the what the movie I'm thinking of that kind of started him really back into action kind of full time was um, Forty Seven Ronin, mm-hmm. which I really really liked. Um, yes. and he does really good action in that, not John Wick action, but it's still action. Yeah, um, and then he came out with John Wick, and it just it each movie has not lessened the demand of him for action. Yeah. Um, the thing, the thing for me though, is that 
Keanu Reeves will never be old. That's fair. <laughs> he, he is ageless. Yeah, so he does have for, that quality. For me, I, I don't see John Wick in the same uh, sort of genre of the Taken and Equalizer franchises. That's fair, um, yeah. Uh, because he's just, Keanu's just ageless. He'll always be like 25. Yeah, thankfully, so, though, he no longer talks like he's 25 all the time. Um, that's true. So that's nice. His, his vocabulary aged. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Equalizer 3. Yeah, right. coming out September 1st. So. When did 2 come out? I mean, it's been a while. It's been a minute, right? Cause, it has, yeah. Um, equal, uh, I think Equalizer came out in the early 2000s. Um, yeah, so this I will is check. a trilogy that's, been, that's spanned quite a time frame. All right, I'll check on Equalizer 2. Uh, why don't you tell me what you're excited okay. about this week? So I'm excited about a TV show. Yay! Um, I may have mentioned this before, but we finally got a trailer for Foundation. This is the um, Isaac uh, Anisimov's um, book TV show adaptation that they're doing. Um, it is confounding and confusing um, with not a lot of action, but very well filmed and mm-hmm. very... Um, visionary in its sci-fi-ness i think and so it i really really enjoyed season one i really did um so i'm anxious to see season two um the trailer looks great it carries on where we left off um it's hopefully going to answer some questions for us so that we don't constantly live in limbo but we'll do what we can but I, i'm really excited for foundation on apple tv plus coming out uh it is coming out uh you would ask me that i totally forgot um it's coming out soon. I want to say June. Okay. Uh, middle of June. All right. So Equalizer 1 came out in 2014. Four years later, Equalizer 2 came out. So it was kind of a, a delay between those two as well. So 2018 was Equalizer 2. So with the pandemic, it kind of makes sense that this one would be a little bit of a longer delay. Yeah. So four years for the first uh, sequel and then five years for the for the th- threequel. Uh, I'm, I am sad they're not calling it threequalizer. But you know, whatever. <laughs> that would be a bold, uh, bold title. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's coming out this summer. I want to say it's a uh, uh, middle of July now. Yeah. So for foundation. So yeah. Awesome. What uh, what else are you excited about? You got another so, one. So uh, this is a trailer that actually came out a while ago, and it kind of just got pushed because the other trailers I wanted to talk about were for things that were coming out sooner. But now it's the release is coming up a little bit sooner, uh, July 7th, and it's for Joyride. Uh, so I'll just read the synopsis real quick. Uh, the hilarious and unapologetic ex- explicit story of identity and self-discovery centers on four unlikely friends who embark on a once-in-a-lifetime international adventure. When Audrey, a uh, business trip to Asia, goes sideways, she enlists the aid of Lolo, her irreverent childhood best friend who also happens to be a hot mess. Uh, Kat, her college friend from uh, Turn Chinese Soap Star, and Deadeye, uh, Lolo's eccentric cousin. Their no-holds-barred epic experience becomes a journey of bonding, friendship, belonging, and wild debauchery that reveals the universal truth of what it means to be friends. So this is uh, the reason I'm, I'm really excited about this. The director for this is uh, Adele Lim. She is the screenwriter for Crazy Rich Asians, she was also the screenwriter for Raya and the Last Dragon. This is her directorial debut, and it's about uh, a girl who is of Chinese heritage who was adopted. Yep. And so she goes back to China to find her birth mother, and then sort of hilarity ensues. So it's got a lot of like kind of the hangover vibes to it, yeah. or maybe a uh, Euro trip 
kind of stuff. And then it, what's really cool about it, it's got 13 reviews only right now. It, it comes out in July, but it's sort of been starting to screen for critics already, which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. And it's got a hundred percent tomato meter. Every critic that's watched it has loved it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited for it. It looks really funny. Uh, it's got some very interesting jokes that they can do because they're, uh, <laughs> there's a spot where they like pretend to be Korean pop stars. Mm-hmm. And it just, it looks very funny. Um, I'm very excited for it. Uh, yeah, Joyride. Um, nice, nice comedy romp. Yeah, I've uh, this actually was on my list uh, for last week. I forget what I what I did to bump this one out. Um, yeah. But uh, this uh, this trailer looks hilarious. It also looks uncomfortable. Um, yeah, which makes me like like they're gonna. I think the movie's gonna try and tell us some truths, and that's gonna make me uncomfortable. Um, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I I want to see it, but I know there's gonna be parts where I'm like where I'm gonna go from laughing just uncontrollably to, oh man, that was. I would laugh, but that was—that's <laughs> reality. That's scary. Yeah. Um, so, but the the actors in this are all—I um, think it's a good cast. Uh, Stephanie Sue, uh, David Denman, who was in—you'd um, probably most know him as Roy from The Office. Mm-hmm. Ashley Park, Annie Momolo, um, Ronnie Chang. Um, some good, some good characters. Good cast in here. So I'm I'm excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really great. The the reviews um, that, that are up on Rotten Tomatoes do talk about sort of that transition that it has mm-hmm. between the, the serious moments and the comedy. And yeah. from, from the reviews that are up right now, it sounds like they, they do that transition really well. Right, I, think, which, I think Crazy Rich Asians did the same. And um, and I liked Ryan's Last Dragon, although I don't think it does as much talking about like actual current culture and stuff, right. obviously. But um, I think this writer knows her knows her stuff. And I think she's going to do a great job of transitioning to director. So, yeah. Yeah. I just hope, uh, uh, you know, some of these uh, producers are always kind of what scares me. And so like, I don't mind Seth Rogen, but I don't think he's nearly as good as he thinks he is. Uh, (laughs) um, He's one of the producers on this. And so, you know, I hope he knows enough to stay out of the way and not try and tell an Asian story when he's not Asian. You know, but have you seen, you haven't seen invincible, right? I'm, uh, Amazon Prime, the animated series about superheroes. No, no, not yet. So Seth Rogen is producing that. Uh, that is an Asian American character. Well, I, I say Asian American. His his mom is Asian American. His dad is from a different planet. So it's kind of a, <laughs> a right. real mixed bag. But, but yeah, yeah. like they do talk a little bit about racial um, okay. uh, stuff in that show. And he's also done Preacher which I haven't watched, but I've heard some good things about. Yeah. Uh, he's done a lot of like TV producing and it yeah. seems like he's pretty good at just getting out of the way and letting creators do their thing. So and that's my hope. If, if he does that, then we'll be good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think it's in good hands. So, all right. What's awesome. your last get excited? So this one is like, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about it, but I'm also kind of not like, I've just, I've, I'm excited because this is something I grew up with. Um, it is, Gran Turismo. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> apparently it's based on a true story, which I didn't know that this any part of this is a true story. Um, but the premise is they um, uh, Nissan or Nissan, if you're British, um, tries to find new drivers by taking very good. There's the video game is called Gran Turismo, getting very good Gran Turismo players and 
and creating drivers out of them, conditioning them and making them the athletes they need to be yeah. to drive a 200 mile an hour car and, you know, 10 G's and everything like that. Um, so the trailer actually looks out like when I, when I clicked on it to watch, I was like, Oh, this is just going to be like Sylvester Stallone's drive all over again. And like, take this cool concept of F1 racing and make it cheesy and gross. And like, not as good as like the Tom Cruise, um, NASCAR one. What was that? Um, Oh, uh, oh, Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder, which is not a bad movie, but you know it it kind of knows what it is and plays into the cheese a little bit. Um, this yeah. looked fairly legit. Um, David Arbor's in it. Yeah, uh, Legolas is in it. Um, so uh, not as Orlando Legolas. Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Orlando <laughs> Bloom um, is uh, so um, some characters, some actors I like watching. I really like Orlando Bloom. Um, yeah. I, I really do. I, I like him. Um, I think he's great. Ned Kelly. Um, he's great in the Amazon show that he has. Um, Carnival Row. Yeah. Um, and he's obviously great in all of the Hobbit stuff. Uh, yeah. And Lord he of the puts Ring. a lot of time and thought into his characters. Mm-hmm. Like he's not just there to read the lines. He's right. there to like inhabit the role and figure out what yeah. would my character be doing. And then but he doesn't seem to be method them. about it. Like, no. like he's he's in that middle ground of like really embracing it and surrounding him with it without being full on method, um, yeah. like a Jim Carrey might be or something. Um, yeah. So um, this looks genuinely funny. It looks like it's got good um, action sequences. The filming, um, you know, it's a car movie. It's a car show. Um, so they're going to there's going to be a wreck at some point because that's how these stories always play out. Yes. And that wreck looked really good. Um, yeah. Kind of. And that's usually what I judge. Um racing movies by. And so it's, uh, I'm excited about it. I, you know, there's a slight little trepidation or hesitancy, but overall I'm really excited about it. Well, I will for a slight hint forward. Uh, if you like this style of movie of like Mm -hmm. underdog from outside coming into a new suit, one of the things I'm going to recommend today is one of these kind of movies. So nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and so and so if like I've grew up playing the original Gran Turismo game on PlayStation One. I watched you, you play. A lot you did. I'd go to my buddy's house too, and we would do um, maybe like four of us, and we'd do endurance racing, yeah. which is like a five hundred lap race, and we would just ch- we couldn't do it two player. We just passed the controller every ten laps. Yeah, <laughs> we'd go in the circle, and it was um. So we've I've been playing it ever since. I've got it on my PS5 right now. It's yeah. like one of those always have to have this game. So I'm anxious to see the the movie of it and how much of it. Um, it looks like the game plays a key role in it, um, which yeah. is, I'm glad they didn't just take the title and just make a movie around. Like Need for Speed, Speed, oh, never gosh, really, Need for Speed, you know, really left like, out. Yeah, yeah, big time. And um, that's that's the gaming that like that's the kind of driving game that I like. The like really not realistic right just jam people into the walls flip people over and yeah, your yeah, car yeah. is fine um i played a lot of need for speed and uh the game is fine fun yeah yeah the game is yeah. fun but um gran turismo is definitely a different driving racing game it's it's yeah. you you're getting in there you're, you're tuning your shocks you're tuning your gear ratios you can do all that fun stuff you got to earn licenses um yes. so uh it's uh definitely a different approach but I think I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm anxious. It doesn't look like need for speed as a movie. And yep. that's, that's what really kind of solidified it to me as something to be excited over is that I didn't come out of the trailer and just go, Oh crap. And so I'm yeah. excited. The, there seems to be this genre being created right now that are movies based on products. 
So yeah. like this one obviously is based on the kind of the game, like more focused on the game than right. in sort of I don't know, like Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is kind of video game-esque. Um but like we got Tetris, but it's not a movie about the Tetris blocks, it's about the guy buying and selling Tetris. Right. And then we got uh there's a there's a new one coming out which I almost talked about called Flaming Hot, which is about the mm-hmm. guy who came up with the Flaming Hot Cheeto. Right. Uh and Air is about the Air Jordans. It's not really right. about Michael Jordan. Um, Two years so ago, we had the like founder. Interesting product movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Some of them have really interesting stories. And a lot of them are ones where I would definitely listen to a podcast about it. Sure. I don't know how much um, right. I want to see a full, like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm worried that we're going to eventually start stretching this yeah. a little bit too far. And no, get, I think you're right on. I think that, you know, that that's that's going to be one of the hardest um, choices or decisions that um, media makers make is where does this fit? Is this TV show? Because back in the day, it used to be money. Like we have the money to make a, a, a 24 season TV show and the story will f- be fine for that. Or we have the money to make a movie and where, where is that going to be? But now we've got podcasts. Now we've got um, like S town. I, I don't need an S town movie or even TV yeah. show. I just need the podcast. Um, and so these, these, uh, creators are going to have to figure out where the, where these stories lie best. And there's never been more options of how to tell a story than there has been right now. Yeah. Um, exactly. so it's a, it's an interesting, interesting, fun time to be alive. So yeah. awesome. Um, so yeah, so forget, get excited. McLean's got equalizer three or three, three equalizer as he would <laughs> like it to be called. Um, Joyride. Um, I've got foundation and Gran Turismo. Um, some really solid stuff coming up, but let's get to what I know McLean wants to talk about big time. Let's get to his reaction, his recommendation, his whatever view on the town. McLean, yeah. what do you got? Okay. This is a very good movie. It is really hard to watch. <laughs> I was so tense. So like I had so much anxiety every time they would go into one of these, um, uh, heists that like I I checked on the time a couple times mm. and the the first time I checked on the time I'm like so much has happened and the pace is a little slow to start with yeah and, but I just assumed that we were getting into the third act and we were halfway done with the movie yeah and I was just like what what is going where is this going <laughs> this is so crazy the second heist especially yeah. uh, we're gonna get into spoilers uh, very very quickly here. Uh, the second heist, especially, I was so certain they were going to be caught. It looks so obvious that they're not going to get away. And the fact that they are able to is just bizarre. Like, it, it doesn't, doesn't uh, like, suspend disbelief that they're able to get away. But it just seems so crazy to me that, that they were able to transition and get out of the city. Um, and, yeah, really, really cool. I do think... Uh, Heat is a really good um, sort of comparison that you sure. can make. I would say this movie is Heat meets Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, this this has a lot of the same like Ben Affleck's character in this has a lot of the same characteristics that Matt Damon's character has in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, Ben Affleck clearly knows Boston. Yes, and really loves the F word. This is not <laughs> yes. not one to even watch. Uh, you know, quietly no. around children. <laughs> but he's, but he's, but he's not, he's not the same 
like for those thinking that you might like you saw Ben Affleck in Good Will Hunting and you think that's the same kind of guy you're going to get in the town. It's not the same character. Like one, I mean, in story comparison, but even the way he portrays it, he he portrays a different type of Boston, yeah, person in the town versus um, Good Will Hunting. Yeah, um, we talked a little bit about show don't tell. A lot of the times, yeah. this movie shows a lot and doesn't have to tell you anything. Right. It you see in this. When I was getting upset with with Triple Frontier about them talking about like we need this guy to plan our heist, uh-huh. uh, and then he doesn't actually do any of the planning part and doesn't doesn't uh, adapt well. Ben Affleck shows in this like he's got things planned. He can he can adapt when things start going wrong. He's he's able to put things together. Um, so the first heist goes off extremely well. Uh, they get away pretty much scot free, and we see like the perfect heist that he's able to do. Uh, there's a little bit more violence than what he wants, but you know, there's kind of a wild card character. Uh, and then we sort of get to know that relationship. Uh, apparently, um, Jeremy Renner did actually like just spend a lot of time in that city. Um, uh, Charleston, he just hung out with criminals in Charleston for like <laughs> a couple months to sort of, a get the get the accent right. He wanted to make sure that he was speaking with the right accent, and then yeah. also just kind of to live in that world. Uh, Blake Lively also apparently just like hung out with people in that area to sort of get get sort of the oxycotton you know vibes and stuff like that. So some really really interesting stuff. Uh, they John Hamm just absolutely nails this FBI agent that you never want to root for. Right. He is the right amount of driven mm-hmm. and threatening and also not not really evil, but he is so is so mean about it. Yeah. That that you just you you can't root for him. And I, and I found myself because in, in sort of heist movies in general, the the typical thing is to root for the thieves anyway. Right. Like that that's sort of the baseline that you're at. But when you're when you're dealing with these sort of like violent criminals, you you could sort of start to tend to to root for the cops, especially like in Heat, for example. Yeah. You kind of root for the for the Al Pacino character a little bit to catch at least some of the bad guys because right. they are really bad. Um, but with this, you're you're almost never rooting for John John Hamm to do anything. Like he's just very manipulative. He's very uh, kind of sinister. He is so focused on his one mission which is taking these people down he doesn't care about who gets in the way or who gets hurt while he's doing that like there's just these scenes where he's threatening like lively's character and taking away her daughter and yeah it's it's really really tough um mark Wahlberg was originally the person that ben affleck wanted to play uh james Co- uh colin mm-hmm. uh coughlin coughlin uh so Jerry Renner was actually not the first choice for this role, but Mark Wahlberg was doing the fighter. So he couldn't do this film. Right. The fighter ended up winning best picture. Uh, and then um, Chris uh, Christian Bale won for best supporting actor over Jeremy Renner, who was the only uh, supporting actor nominated in that category that wasn't in a movie that was nominated for best picture. The right. was nominated for best picture. But Renner's performance was so good that that he ended up being nominated. I think that's definitely a great call. I think both him, uh, Rebecca Hall's really great in this. Uh, John Hamm has already stated, um, and yeah, Ben Affleck 
really, really good. I I really loved his character. You root for him all the way through. Uh, yeah, very, very good. I do think this one, it, one of the things that he likes doing is uh, close-ups. Yeah. And I was realizing it as, as I was watching, I'm like, there are no wide shots in this film. Right. Like, very rare wide shots. And the wide shots you get are in the action scene and he he shoots them very frenetically right so because like the the idea behind it seems to be like when the heist is going on it's just really chaotic so all the the high scenes that are shot with some wides are really shot back and forth it's not so much that you get completely lost although i do think he sort of breaks the you know breaks the line every once in a while going back and forth uh, but it definitely is enough to get you a little bit disoriented of what's going on. And when he's not doing that, it's a lot of close-ups. Like he's definitely an actor's mm-hmm. director. He gives, he, he's just sort of like focused on, on one character. And one of the things that does is it helps with the tension because you don't see what else is going on in the screen. So when it's all just on people's reactions to things, it, it makes things very tense and very, uh, yeah very yeah i don't know there's not the the one thing i will say about this after i watched this movie i went and watched argo right after and uh i i just want to see if that was his directing style right it's just uh-huh. lots of close-ups 100 percent. argo is also just a lot of close-ups a little more wides um but what argo has that this movie kind of lacks and the one critique that i'll give towards it there's not enough levity like he doesn't know how to break the tension well enough for his first directorial effort. Um, and I do think uh, that one of the changes he made to the script, because this is based on a, on a book um, in the book, when he goes in and kills the florist at the end, he gets mortally wounded and right. he makes it back to Claire's and then dies in her arms. And so that was actually shot but it didn't screen well. So they changed the ending yeah. to be what I think is a much, if, if it had ended that way, I don't think I would have been able to, to recommend this movie. If that's just no, too, yeah. it's too dark. Yeah. It's a gut punch um, that you don't need. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked the, the ending where like he, he's watching Claire and she's like, you need to come here. And then she makes the comment about the, her happy sunny days. Mm-hmm. Right which we yeah. learned earlier in the movie, sunny days are actually her least favorite things because her brother died on a sunny day. And so she hates sunny days. Yep. Um, which is, you know, great, great to live in Boston. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I liked that sort of twist where like she, she was able to give enough of a hint to him, which he didn't need. Like he knew that the cops were there, but that was him being able to be like, okay, she does actually love me. She she is trying to look out for me. Right. Um, she doesn't completely hate me for uh, manipulating her and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I thought a lot of the scenes between Ben Affleck and Rebecca Hall were really good. Um, we see two love scenes or sex scenes in this movie. One between Ben Affleck and, and Blake Lively's character, which is kind of a really uncomfortable sex scene. Yes. Um, that I it's hard to tell if either one of them was really into. Right, and then the the more loving uh, sex scene between Ben Affleck and Rebecca Hall, where we kind of see her 
she she has this talk earlier about how touching the water she thought she was going to be walking off a cliff and when she touched the water with her bare feet after they let her go when she was uh being made a hostage that was like the best feeling of her life and she felt the exact same way after sleeping with ben affleck mm. uh, she felt that that safety and security yep. with him and that's the moment where we realized that she really did love him that, that we we the audience know but he doesn't know until she right she tells him later but uh yeah that was really great um it's really hard to just pull individual performances because they're all so good. Uh, I loved Jeremy Renner. He he runs the gambit from being. You think he's going to be just the he's the wild card character that you're never going to really like, and then you realize that he has so much more depth and history between him and Doug. Yep. And yeah, all all their scenes together are fantastic. Um, I really liked how he. We know that he's going to die in that shootout and he's run out of bullets and he puts his guns back together empty. Yeah. And then, and then just sort of like jumps out and what he looks like the most threatening that he can be. Right. In order to get himself shot because he just doesn't want to go back to jail. It's a really heartbreaking, heartbreaking scene. But yeah, probably the best thing that could happen for that character. For sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think the, the death of the kid in the group um, and uh, is probably the most tragic one mm-hmm. who just like stands up after a flash bomb and just gets shot in the head. Uh, that one, that one probably hit me the, the hardest of they, they They don't talk about it in the movie, but the book I believe does name them and they're called the no name gang. Yeah. Which is, which is really interesting. I don't. Did they mention that in the movie? Not that I recall. No. Um, I think you know they. Would, I I remember when I watched it that that kind of felt odd to me because like, our press is so so loves crazy names for things. You know. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't believe that they do name them in the movie. Yeah. Um, um, it took me a little while to get into it because I thought this was a different movie. Um, I thought this was Reindeer Games. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. I thought they were the same movie. No. No, they're not. No, they're not. Oh, Reindeer Games. Oh, my goodness. No. Um, I haven't seen Reindeer Games. Uh, I just thought that this was more like that. So I kept waiting for Rebecca Hall to get kidnapped by the gangsters, mm-hmm. and, and they had to do this one last job um, and dress in Santa suits. Um, I did start watching Reindeer Games recently just to like see, because it is streaming right now. <laughs> and it immediately starts with a uh, it, it starts off with a narration and a flash forward, which are yeah. two of my like yep. most cringy. They can be done well. Yeah. See, I love but, a good narration. Yeah. I, there, one of the movies I'm going to talk about later has a really great narration to it. But the flash forward where you just sort of remove all tension from a movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's going to get here. Let's find out how we got here. I just, right. uh, not one of my favorite things. Um, so, all right. Did you have any thoughts? I feel like I've monopolized. No, uh, I think, I think, um, I mean, I think everything you said is dead on. I think, uh, I, this is the kind of movie that I really love, um, because it's so involved when you watch it, yeah. like it, it, because to me, like the base, purpose of a movie is to remove you from reality for those two hours. Yeah. That's the, like that, like 
it has to meet that quality first and then it can be other things. Like I don't care about its critique on the human condition or any of that kind of stuff. If it doesn't take me out of my world for those two hours. Um, and so okay. this for sure, this is an, a, this is a, an involved movie. You can't watch it and not like, like you said, you're, you're tense. Your, your, yeah. your body, like your mind, it all kind of goes into it because these guys do, especially Jeremy Renner do such a great job of, of, pulling you in and, and making you feel, I don't know about, not really a part of it, but make you feel there. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't feel like I was part of the, the, the guys pulling the heist, but I felt like I was in Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. yeah. Good. You, the, the tension release from them finishing that second heist, especially mm-hmm. is so much like them getting away and seeing, seeing the police officer, that that apparently was a real story where they uh, Ben Affleck was talking to a lot of ex-cons um, for making this movie, and one of them told the story about how like we did a heist, and as we get out of the van to grab all of our stuff, there's a police officer in a car right next to us, <laughs> and he looks at us, we look at him, and then he just looks the other way, and we just went on with our day. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the that's that sort of release of tension where they get into the car and drive off for the, you know, their like third switch at that point. Right. was just like, oh, finally. Oh yeah. Like, okay. yeah. I, right, I, I can it. breathe. That yeah. was his last job. He said earlier, this is my last job. I'm done. And then we, when he goes into the florist and they're like, no, you need to do this job. And I'm just like, oh, right. Shoot. No, no, you just say no, get out of there. And this is good. And then he's like, no, I'm going to do this last job to protect my girlfriend. And it's like, gosh (laughs) yeah and all the tension yeah there's a lot of so there's a lot of layers within the story and there's a lot of layers for each character yeah which i think makes it um which is one of the things i think really elevates it um i agree with everything you said i don't really have much to add other than i wish we had more movies like this um yeah you know it's uh, it's got some really great and it doesn't try to explain everything right we get a little taste of the second in command FBI guy, Mm -hmm. um, Dino, and we get like Ben Affleck critiquing him and being like, Hey, um, you know, you're, you're from our streets. How dare you? What a backstab stabbing rat you are. Yeah. Uh, and we, we are definitely threatened by Pete Postlewaite as the florist, but there's no real like explanation of who this guy is. We just know. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, you know, depending on the world, I like when you're not doing it's like we watch a lot of fantasy and sci-fi, those I think require more explanation. Um yeah. and something like this where you just kind of this movie I think leans on hit other movie history where you meet this guy who seems unassuming but kind of talks with authority and you go, Okay, that's a dangerous guy. Movies yeah. have taught us that over time and they don't need to take time to explain it and yeah do everything. And so I, I'm thankful for those things. I think that you're right. Uh, the critique of the levity. I think that this would have been, um, ever so slightly better had Matt Damon been part of the screenwriting, not the directing or yeah, yeah. just the um, screenwriting, just some of the dialogue, just to, you know, how do you like them apples? We needed something like that at some point. Well, a lot of the great, great jokes from Goodwill hunting are improvs from Robin Williams. Like, Right, yeah. Having having someone like that in your movie Obviously really helps. brings the comedy up for sure. Yeah. Um, but 
but yeah, um, I think Argo um, does a great job because it's it's two movies. It's yeah. a spy movie, and then in the middle of the spy movie, it's this like goofy Alan Arkin, John Goodman uh-huh. um, romp yeah. about how so BS Hollywood is. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Like amazingly good. And yeah. I think that's what makes that movie. If you take that part out of that of Argo, it's, Argo it is a town again. It's yeah. The same like ratcheting up tension and, and very for few, characters. Yeah. Um, there is supposedly so the original cut of this movie was four hours long. Right. And Ben Affleck cut it down to two hours and forty minutes, I want to say, two or two fifty. Apparently, that version is the best version. Um, I'd love to see that version. Yeah, apparently it's on like the Blu-ray and DVD. Oh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't I haven't done the the research behind it, but Ben Affleck like was quoted as saying, "The you know this version is true to the story of the book um, as best as I could get it, but the two hour and fifty minute version, if you love the book." that's even more true to it. Um, so I don't know if that version has some more jokes and levity or if that one's even darker than this one. Um, I could see it because the book is really dark. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a two and a half hour one on Amazon prime called the extended cut for 15 okay. bucks. Interesting. I wonder if that's the same one, but, or if that's just a, sometimes those, uh, those extended cuts are not even like director mm-hmm. footage or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I should have gone in and find some of the deleted scenes for this. But oh, so well. on, I'm on uh, IMDb. There are three known versions to exist. The 125 theatrical, the 150 extended um, that closely follows to the novel, and the 153-minute cut that is the same as the extended cut but uses the original movie's original novel's ending. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you really want to see the really really dark ending you can watch that one yeah i don't i i don't think i would have liked this movie if it had ended that way yeah i don't think i would have either because there's yeah because there's no release there had been some other releases i think during the show during the movie for me i think it would have been i could have been okay with that kind of ending but to not have any releases and to end it that way i would just been like dead inside yeah it would have been really, really hard to have to watch some cartoons or something to, to, yeah. to move on. Um, and and it's, it's good for those movies to exist. Like I can think of some that I really do enjoy, but I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go back to. Um, but no, I, this this one, I really, I liked the characters so much. I really wanted there to be. Actually, uh, the thing I really liked about this was that the whole movie is about um, preserving a rec center. Yeah. So this is now the best already movie about preserving a rec center that I've ever seen or probably ever will see. Yeah. Um, Um, uh, Yeah. So this, we talked last week about uh, the last duel um, Mm -hmm. because that had piqued your interest in Affleck and some of these things, some of these serious stuff. And um, that movie, I don't think it has any real, good levity releases throughout. I mean, it's pretty, it's not as intense as a town, but it's drama through it's, you know, there's drama throughout, but I think what helps that is the different viewpoints we get. And those, yeah, the those comedy, had a, nat- a natural breaking point for a breath and to kind of recatch yeah. your head and stuff. The comedy in that one is from the, the hypocrisy of the viewpoints, yes. right? Yeah. It's, it's when you see her side of things, or I think there, there is some comedy earlier on, especially in the Adam driver, 
right. perspectives where Ben Affleck is joking about how much he hates Matt Damon. Um, that's the, some of those are kind of funny, but the real comedy is in the third chapter right. where you see these two idiots and they both think that they're eloquent and neither one of them yeah. can, can string two words together. So, yeah. so yeah. it's a, yeah. So that, but so that one, like I think is just as dark maybe, uh, especially in, in, in topic um, as yeah. a town, but um, has those breaks because of the perspective changes. And in that third act, we get the woman's view of two men trying to be, be no cool. And, yeah. Yeah. Failing miserably. I think they both have the high ground yeah um, yeah but no i would definitely recommend this uh to anyone that's a that's a fan of um any other ben affleck movies um yep. and i think he does a, a great job this is originally this was supposed to be directed by the guy who did flash dance and i think that would have been a big big mistake big I mistake don't, i don't think anyone else could have done quite the same justice that that he does to it he's very very good at ratcheting up tension and this movie is yes. all about that and he's also really good at character work too like you know who his characters are and you know like you, you can see see them acting in, in ways that are fitting of their character right yep. so yeah no, i think he, he, he understands the big picture and where the story's going and he mm-hmm. understands the characters involved in making that happen yep so yep. awesome. Well, I'm glad that you liked it. That makes me happy. Um, yeah. I wasn't really worried because it is such a sensational movie, but it's nice to know, you know, you like yeah, it. The, the 92% of people who put this as certified fresh, I agree with yeah. that. Good job. Not the, not the 8%. Um, but yeah, I, I do think uh, if, if you haven't seen Argo, <laughs> I would also recommend that one. 100%. I think, yes. I think it, it improves on, it, it was made two years after this, right? 2012. Yeah. And I think he kind of caught his feet with the town. Um, he mm-hmm. got a little bit lucky that the cast that he was able to bring to it was able to do such great work. And then I think his, the directing is even better in Argo, where he does have those levity moments and is able to take um, take some steps back and have more of a wider ensemble view of the cast than having to go with just close-ups all the time. So, yeah. Uh, Cool. Awesome. Okay, cool. So we're going to move into uh, what you recommend for me this week. Yeah, so I wanted to bring a little bit of levity. Uh, We did a horror movie and then kind of a dark, gritty action movie. So I actually have two movies. uh, One's PG and one's PG-13. Okay. Uh, These are both sports movies. Okay. But they're not about Arguably, they're not about actual sports. So, okay. we'll see once I once I recommend them. Um, there are some that that do believe these movies are could be considered sports movies, but the the theme and style that they're in are sports movies. Like if you look at Rot- Rotten Tomatoes and look at the the page, the ones you might also like, all sports movies. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, um, or at least at least for this first one. So this is the first one is. Uh, from 2006, 85% tomato meter, 81% audience score. It's it's written down as a kids and family drama, but it's it's more light sports movie is what I would consider this. Uh, it's Aquila and the Bee. So this has a phenomenal cast: uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Angela Bassett, uh, Kiki Palmer, who was in Nope. This is her 
directorial debut or her uh, theatrical debut. She's a small, small child in this. She plays Akila. Uh, Akila, an 11 year old girl living in South Los Angeles, discovers she has a talent for spelling, which she hopes will take her to the National Spelling Bee. Despite her mother's objections, Akila doesn't give up on her goal. She finds help in the form of a mysterious teacher, and along with overwhelming support from her community, Akila might just have what it takes to make her dream come true. So this is Searching for Bobby Fischer. Mm-hmm. This is Remember the Titans. This is that sort of uh, montage heavy, um, good good feeling movie. And uh, yeah, it's it's got a great cast, great great performances. Especially Lawrence Fishburne is really really phenomenal. Um, I like Angela Bassett as well. I don't think this is necessarily in her strongest uh, movie, but it, it's mostly just like. I don't like that character as much because she's not a super supportive mom. But uh, yeah, this is a really, a really fun movie. And if you, if you enjoy the National Spelling Bee, which I do, uh, it's it's kind of fun to see it from a theatrical perspective. Kind of interesting to look at it. Okay. Yeah. All right, Akula and the Bee. Um, yeah. So I got a review like a, here from. Yep. Uh, Richard Probst from uh, theindependentcritic.com. Akila and the Bee becomes one of the most life-affirming, inspiring, and entertaining films of the year. Huh. Yeah, any questions? Any, any concerns? No. No, I think that that's definitely... It's one I, I knew that it came out, but ne- didn't like... The trailers or whatever didn't pique me enough to make me go out and see it. Yeah. I also kind of... I come and go in Lawrence Fishburne. Um, okay. There's times I love him, and times I'm just like, oh, you're the same in all your movies. And then times I love, him, and then times you're the same in all your movies. So, um, yeah, I think there's a bit of that with this. Uh, I can see that that critique. the The character that he plays, though, is very similar, not exactly, but it is similar to the to the character that he plays in um, uh, Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love love him playing that character. So, yeah. Um, I I understand that critique, but but it's a character trope that he falls into, and I enjoy. It, so. Okay. Yeah, he's he's a good mentor, uh, character actor. Okay. So. All, uh, right. all right. So yeah, Keel and the Bee. You can kind of get what I, what I mean by a sports movie, but it's not actually about a sport. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm gonna say like it's a competition movie. Yes, I'll give it that, but I'm not sure that I would label um, spelling national spelling championship as a sport. Interested on this one? It kind of is a <laughs> a different take on a sports. Um, this is a movie called uh, well, uh, uh, it's a 2019 movie. It's based as a comedy drama, um, 147 minutes long. Aquila is 152 minutes long, so they're about the same length. This one has a 93% tomato meter an 86% audience score, and it is called Fighting With My Family. So this is a movie. uh, Born into a tight-knit wrestling family, Paige and her brother Zach are ecstatic when they get the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to try out for the WWE. But when Paige earns a spot in the competitive training program, she must leave her loved ones behind and face the new cutthroat world alone. Paige's journey pushes her to dig deep, and ultimately proves the world that she has what it takes, um, has what makes her different is the thing that can make her a star. 
So uh, I'll tell you now, because you won't get it in the movie, but this stars Florence Pugh, and she looks nothing yeah. like Florence Pugh. I did not realize that I had seen Florence Pugh in a movie uh, after watching her in like um, Black Widow mm-hmm. until I was looking at this, and I'm like, wait a second, is that Florence Pugh? Because <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did not realize that she was in this, uh, and I had seen this movie quite quite a long time ago, uh, 2019, I guess. Um, so this is Florence Pugh, Lena Headey, Nick Frost, uh, Jack Loden, Vince Vaughn is really great in this. And then Dwayne Johnson plays himself. For yeah. he, he was one of the producers on it as well. So uh, it's a really interesting take. Uh, where, where are you at on professional wrestling? Because we did not grow up in a, like a wrestling household. No, I think that, uh, I mean, where I'm at is, I think this may be bold, but it's the truth. Um, it's all fake. It's all staged. These guys actually do what they're doing. Like there's legit risk for injury and stuff, but it is just a show. It is. It's, it's just like any other professional sport, except the outcome is predetermined to a much greater degree than any other professional sport. Yeah. Uh, An underdog can win in hockey, baseball, basketball, or football. The underdog can win in wrestling only because the writers say so. Yeah. So I think that they do talk about that in this film for sure of like, isn't it fake? And they get very upset about yeah. that term. And they're like, it's not fake. Scripted. It's scripted. Yeah. But they're real athletes. Like what they're doing right. is actually, it's more like choreographed dancing, but Violent. more intense. Yeah. yeah. So the best, the best, the best uh, I've heard talk about it was actually Goldberg on um grand tour in season two um of the grand tour they do this cheesy celebrity moment where they bring two celebrities on and they find out who's the fastest driving around their new track in Mm -hmm. a jaguar and um goldberg comes on and um i forget what clarkson says to him and he goes now is is wrestling fake is is, is it really just like is it just fake and goldberg like oh absolutely it's 100 percent scripted i know what i'm gonna do i know what i'm gonna say i know what he's gonna say i know all that stuff but i still had to live the under lift the undertaker above my head and throw him onto the floor like so yes it's a live action soap opera yes yeah that's probably the best way to put it yeah. Um, Which is nothing I'm wrong not, with that. I'm not critiquing the people that like it or anything like that. It's not my can of, you know, it's not my favorite thing, but yeah, I understand why people like it. I'm in the same kind of camp as you. Like, if you like it, that's great for you. Yeah. It's never been something that, like, we didn't grow up with it. I think if you mm-hmm. grow up with it, it's, it's a lot easier to, to get attracted to it. Oh, for but, sure. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's some cool stuff behind it. Um, and then let's see. Uh, Here's a here's one for Edward Porter from the Times UK. Uh, Florence Pugh's knockout performance is the winner in the zesty wrestling drama. So uh, yeah, it's it's really it's a it's kind of a fish out of water story as well. Um, she does not look like the rest of the women that are trying out for the WWE. Yeah, um, and she sort of has to figure out what that kind of means for her. Did you watch um, Glow? Uh, I haven't. It's on my Glamorous. list, but I haven't watched it yet on Netflix. Yeah, Glamorous Ladies of Wrestling. Yeah, I believe what it stands for. It's actually based on a based on true. This this is as well, actually. Um, so this is kind of based on a true story. But yeah, I think both of these looks at it are are really interesting sort of conversations. My my favorite uh, thing on on wrestling was uh, John Oliver did a did a piece on Vince mm-hmm. McMahon. 
and uh, what professional wrestlers have to go through because they're like they're contract workers, but they the the risk of them getting injured is actually quite high because you know you get thrown through a table. Yes, that table is supposed to break away, but it doesn't always work the way that you think it's going to. Right, getting thrown off something onto a table. So uh, yeah, there's a and the times where the script doesn't quite fit in that there are definitely times where someone gets injured. They were supposed to win the match, but they, they get injured for real. And then the other person like kind of has to win by <laughs> obligation. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's some really interesting, interesting stories uh, with wrestling. I, the, the biggest problem I have getting into it is there's so much history now that yeah. to get into the storylines, there's not a, a good lot of them ramp. are so, yeah. So yeah. dense. Uh, yeah. There's years and years, um, but yeah, there's some there's some really fun. I, I like looking at the individual snippets and stuff, like finding a, a podcast or a conversation about like one or two events that happen, and and kind of getting a little bit of background. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if I could watch the whole the whole endeavor. Um, no, um, I I couldn't. Um, I had a roommate who was really into wrestling for a while, and I got a little bit like mm-hmm. I could, like it was all like Monday Night Raw, I think it was in. And um, I think it was still WWF back then. Um, and it was eh, okay. It wasn't bad, but yeah, I'd rather watch other stuff. That's just me. Um, so I can tell you right now, this is what I'm going to pick. Um, okay. Because fight, I, fight with my family. Yeah. Okay. I cool. love the cast. Um, yes. I don't know if you said it or not, but directed by Stephen Merchant, always a win. Um, oh yeah. I love Stephen Merchant. So big time on that. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is uh, where I would like to uh, enrich my hour and 47 minutes for this week. Yeah, written and directed by Stephen Merchant. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so, written by, yeah. And he's actually, yeah. he's, and he doesn't star, but he's in it as well. And I just, I I, I love Stephen Merchant. He, he, Nick Frost, Jack Loudon, or Loden, um, is also, if you'll remember, from Slow Horses. Um, oh, my gosh, which, you're right. Yeah. we talked about before. So I love, yeah. him in, I love him in that. So I'm super anxious. I, I want to see him. I want to see more of him. I think he's one of those that need. we need to see more of him. I think he's very talented. So Cool. Very exciting. So fighting with my family. All right. Great. That's the choice. I'm excited. All right. This is, uh, for those that want to uh, play along, this is streaming on uh, Prime Prime Video. Okay. And uh, if you wanted to check it out, Aquila and the Bee is also streaming. Um, I will say when I looked for Aquila and the Bee on Rotten Tomatoes, it has it for rent or buy on Amazon. Yeah. But if you go to Amazon and look for Aquila and the Bee, there are two versions, one to rent or buy and one to watch for free. Okay. So I don't know why there's two versions and it seems to be messing up Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. But if you are interested, if you if you heard the description and you think that's something you want to go watch, it is on Prime Video. You can watch it, uh, but it's uh, you might get a little bit confused yeah. if you're going through the Rotten Tomatoes site. So, cool. But next week, we're going to be watching Fighting with My Family. Why yeah. you? Awesome. Very cool. Very, very excited. I saw the trailer for, the, trailer for this a long time ago, back, well, back in 2019. Um, made a mental note to watch it, and I just the pandemic hit or something. I just never got around to watching it. Um, well, the yeah. pandemic was way after that, but I just... I don't know. Never got to see it, so I'm excited to see it now. I uh, think I watched it on a plane. Mm, yeah. Okay. I that don't know fun. when, but I think that's how I ended up watching this movie. Nice. It's just like, oh, this looks interesting. <laughs> yeah. Got nothing new for the next two hours. Cool. 
All right. Uh, so we're going to move right along to our blast from the past segment. Um, we put, uh, we take a moment every episode to look back at a year from Hollywood cinema or any cinema and try and remind you of some movies you or TV shows you may not remember or have thought about in a while that you should go. We try to stay away from the big blockbusters of the year. We don't always yep. succeed in that because sometimes a movie is just too good to not talk about it. Um, yep. But we do our best. So this year, nineteen ninety, this week, nineteen ninety-seven. Um, McLean, why don't you get us started? Well, uh, I think this one is very fitting, considering the the reason we chose nineteen ninety-seven was we did a Ben Affleck movie. Uh, him and Matt Damon won for best screenwriting for Good Will Hunting, uh, much deserved. And uh, I'm going to do a Matt Damon movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, Matt Damon movies. It's John Grisham's The Rainmaker. Mm. Uh, I really love. John Grisham novels when they're adapted into a uh, film. And this is probably my favorite of all of them. Uh, I love the um, uh, Francis Ford Coppola is directing this. Uh, Matt Damon's performance is really great. Uh, you love to see, I, I like lawyer um, uh, dramas and this is a very good one. And I love uh, watching the insurance company, uh, get what they deserve. So, mm. uh, fantastic cast, uh, Matt Damon, uh, Claire Danes, John Boyd, uh, uh, Mickey Rourke, Danny DeVito. Wow. Um, Danny Glover, uh, as well. Uh, yeah, just some, some great, uh, great names, great cast the list, the list goes on. This is just such a great, great film. And we talked a little bit about the narration and where, where it works and where it doesn't. This is one where the narration works really well like you you really need need this guy sort of walking you through hand by uh, you know hand in hand yeah to this kind of crazy world of uh civil litigation i might need to go back and watch it i have never seen this one i've seen really? a lot of, yeah i know I'm, uh, I'm surprised i've seen a lot of the john Grish, john grisham stuff but this was this came out later in the john grisham stuff so i think mm-hmm. i was a little worn out on them um sure. And so I think that may be why it was also, I was a junior or senior in high school and just kind of like, I don't know, busy with other things, yeah. <laughs> senioritis, something. Um, so yeah, I, so, yeah. so I had a, um, I had a high school uh, assignment for biology to, to, we recreated the uh, scopes monkey trials mm. where uh, the, the lawyer, uh, the teacher was on trial for teaching evolution in the classroom. And so we, we recreate, we did like a, uh, in, in class recreation of it. And I had to play the judge. Uh, yes. and so, uh, mom's decision for preparing for this topic was to watch both versions of Inherit the Wind, uh, Aaron Brockovich and the Rainmaker. And the, those were my, uh, introductions into, uh, law movies and yeah. Um, All right. Really, really great. Um, this is this is definitely one of my favorite uh, legal movies. It, it is streaming as well. Uh, so in you know, in tradition, I try to find the ones that are streaming. But this right. is uh, streaming on HBO Max right now. So yeah, okay. I I would definitely recommend this to to anybody. Um, nice, especially you'll really love Danny DeVito's performance in it as well. Yeah, He's a really I know. Great side character. I know it got rave reviews. I just I don't know don't know why. I just never got around to seeing it. So. I'll put it yeah. on my list. Very good. Okay, All cool. Right. The, the Rainmaker. 
that. Yeah, it's um, if you're looking it up on Rotten Tomatoes, make sure you put in the John Grisham's The Rainmaker because there's a lot of The mm-hmm. Rainmaker and Rainmaker esque movies. Um, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Okay, got? cool. Um, for my first one, I'm going to go TV show. Ooh, okay. And uh, this is, uh, I didn't watch this when it came out. I only watched this after it came to streaming. And it's one of my favorite sci-fi streaming. I think I've talked about it before. Um, but it is streaming currently on Amazon Prime. So yay me. Um, it is Stargate SG-1. Okay. Which... Um, carries on a year uh the series starts a year after the movie that james spader was in with kurt russell none of that cast makes it to the tv show for obvious financial reasons this is um uh, macgyver uh richard dean anderson (laughs) and then um i forget his uh boss's name um the general um don s davis okay Uh, michael shanks is the dr daniel jackson so this follows um or, I mean, it's uh, Stargate essentially is they found in ancient Egypt, they found this big ring that acts, creates a wormhole to other rings with throughout the galaxy. And you can travel through it and have near instant travel from planet to planet. Um, an ancient race of aliens built these. And then the one on Earth, there was a rebellion against some other aliens. And so they hid theirs and made it unusable. Yeah. They and in the early 1900s, they find the one on Earth and then they start using it for stuff and whatever. That's the premise. Um, so this is very much just Star Trek. You know, you get a different little mission for each each uh, episode. Um, however, I will say this did a better job than Star Trek of having a continuous story and continuous villains. So they would solve yeah. little mini mysteries per episode mostly, but they always had they were always fighting against the same villain throughout. Um, yeah. Or they would defeat that one and another one would come along big, big, giant, nasty that was threatening the whole galaxy or whatever. And so it was very, um, I don't know, it's very, it's very good. It's, it's simple. Um, it's, you know, I don't want to say it's wholesome, but you know, I wouldn't be upset. My kid watched it. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's good. 22 seasons on app on average, 45 minute episodes, 43 minute episodes. Um, easy watch. A lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, one of the, uh, stipulations when they brought back Star Trek for Next Generation was the the showrunner had a rule set that none of the episodes could um, uh, there couldn't be any continuing storylines. Mm. Uh, every episode had to be self contained. Every uh, villain or like you know bad thing had to come from outside the ship. There couldn't be any like betrayal because that's mm-hmm. not how they were. Um, and so you couldn't have these like long arcing storylines with, uh, with villains that right. were hiding in plain sight. So, uh, it really limited, limited some of the, yeah. the expressions they were able to do. He passed away before the, the final season of Next Generation. And in that season, you will notice there's a lot of continuing storylines yep. and some betrayal of, of characters. So, uh, yeah. For better or for worse, that that yeah. was sort of his. Uh, part of his the mantra. time that it was out in, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, yeah. this was coming. This came out in '97 and ran for ten seasons. I mean, it ran for a good long wow. '97 to 2006, um, and then three movies afterwards, and spawned two. Um, what am I thinking of? What's the word? Um, two series? other, two other, two other series: Stargate yeah. Atlantis and Stargate and S- Stargate Atlantis and SGU. 
um, Stargate okay. Universe. Um, I have not watched that. I have watched Atlantis. Atlantis is one of the TV shows where Jason Momoa got his start in yeah, the yeah. West. Um, that and Baywatch Nights. Yes. Um, and then some, he had some other uh, thing from a different country, I think. Um, anyway, so yeah, SG-1. It's a, it's a good show. It's an 88% audience score. It doesn't have an average tomato meter. Um, okay. I think if I click on a season, it might though. Um, yeah, like season one is 60 tomato. 60 tomato, 97 audience. What is SG One Children of the Gods? That's a movie. That a, okay, it's a follow up movie. But it, did it come out in 1997 or was this later? No, later. So SG, so Stargate SG One is a TV show. Um, Children of the Gods is. Um, I want to say it says 97, but that's not right. Okay. Unless it's. Um, Unless they're counting like the first couple episodes as a movie, yeah, that 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 might be what it is. Um, okay. uh, yeah. So yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, it's just a retake of retake of the first two episodes. Anyway, um, it's it's good. It's if you like sci-fi, go for it. Aliens, and guns, and Richard Dean Anderson, Richard Dean Anderson focusing more on humor than drama. A lot yeah. It's super fun. Cool. So I might have to check this out. I'm currently yeah. currently watching old Remington Steel episodes. Oh wow. Uh as my sort of like downtime show. Yeah. It's better than you'd think. Um, but this this might have to uh be the next thing that I that I tackle. So, it's this is I have seen the original movie when I was a child and not again and have not really delved into the world of Stargate since then. Yeah. So the movie isn't bad. Is I mean, in, in in this this TV show is a direct continuation of the movie. Like it doesn't yeah. doesn't pretend the movie didn't exist. It references it several times throughout the series. Yeah. You know, back in 1995, we found this thing, and then it take they take a year off. And the show comes back. I think a year, maybe two, following the end of the movie. Sure. Um, and so, like, they actually have to do stuff at the beginning of the show because of the movie and so it's it, they do a good job it's it's sequel ish yeah i remember really liking the movie does it do you think it holds up have you seen it recently yeah i watch it i, I watch it i mean i probably watch it every few years um i think it holds okay. up it's a it's it's a class i mean it's not a classic story but it's it's good guys who travel to a strange place make friends with people make an enemy with somebody destroy the enemy get back home it's like that, that's the generic plot, um, yeah. and I, that plot is always going to hold up. It's just an action sci-fi movie. Okay. So, cool. all right, what's uh, what's your number two? Yeah, so um, I went with one that we haven't uh, kind of a genre we don't touch on too often. Uh, this is Princess Mononoke, came out in nineteen ninety seven. This is a Studio Ghibli uh, anime. Um, it is. Uh, I'll, I'll read the description real quick. Uh, Prince becomes involved in the struggle between a forced princess and the encroachment of mechanization. So uh, it's got these really strong themes of uh, mankind versus nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to kill the nature god so that th- that they can, you know, cut down the forest and, and move in. Uh, and then there's a third-party character uh, named uh, Zigo, and he gets the um, Henry Rowengardner disease so he's cursed with this like super powerful arm he can shoot his bow and arrow and it basically just takes somebody in half like 
so he's cursed. He's trying to figure out the cure to the curse. And uh, in order to do that, he has to find the nature spirit. And he sort of becomes entangled in this uh, um, conflict. It's beautiful, beautifully done. Uh, hand animation. It is fantastic movie. The the um, voice cast uh, that does the um, the U.S. dubbing is very good. It's Claire Danes, Billy Bobby Thornton, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Minnie Driver, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. It's got uh, Billy Crudup, uh, Gillian Anderson. Very very good American voice cast as well. I think it's yeah. good sub subbed or dubbed. It's on HBO Max as well. Um, but this is one that I would recommend to you for the podcast, but I can't watch it again because it gives me such horrible nightmares. Okay. Uh, it is hauntingly chilling and brutal and What's Neil yeah, Hyman? it's, uh, it's real dark. <laughs> it's gonna, it's have, gonna leave you uh, a different person. Have you watched so the Sandman? Uh, I watched part of it. Okay. It didn't. It didn't pull me in as much as oh, this does. It's so good. Um, yes, I, yeah. I've heard that. This is a ninety-three percent tomato meter, ninety-four percent audience score. Yeah. Um, I think it's not as good as Spirited Away, um, okay. but it's definitely in the ballpark. Yeah, this I is almost always um, when people when I hear like non-anime people talk about anime. This is something that comes up when you see like for in Austin, in San Antonio, Austin, where I am at. Um, the Draft House always, you know, this is one of the movies they bring up. Spirit Away, Mononoke. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime that uh, they do a, a new Studio Ghibli film or just like randomly, uh, yeah. you'll see like um, uh, uh, movie houses do like uh, Studio Ghibli um, uh, marathons. Right. This is always in the conversation, which is really odd to me because the people who are watching My Neighbor Totoro and uh, Kiki's Delivery Service should not be watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. This movie is so violent. It's strange. So it's only dark. a PG-13. It's real dark. There's a lot of blood. Uh, like I said, the, one of the guys, he shoots a bow and arrow and it just like cleaves a person in half. Um, All right. Well, I mean, it's Neil Gaiman. He, he doesn't write soft stuff. Yeah. Um, he's, um, he's a dark individual. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's one of the best uh, Miyazaki films, but I... I just I can't watch it again. It's it's all right. My nightmares from the from watching it the first time are are too vivid and too dark. So, um, I I strongly recommend it. I'm sure people that have more courage than me will be fine. But uh, there's some real dark stuff that happens into it in it. But yeah, um, mostly violence. No like sex or anything. Yeah. It's, it's it's just very no. violent. No, it's, I really it's a to. it's a full on war. So yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, I, I'm interested if you if you want to watch it on your own and, and come back with with notes. Yeah, I might. Yeah, talk about it. But uh, I don't know if I can I can really watch it again to fully appreciate it. Gotcha. Well, now I, I really want you to watch Sandman on Netflix. Um, I've been trying to get through it. There's it so much the, right now. It is one of the uh, darkest shows I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, my my only problem with it because we watched the first two episodes uh, is there's no human characters for me to really grasp onto not yet like i don't i don't have as much sympathy for an undying god than that i would have for you know sure. a, a struggling human right 
Right. Uh, so it, it was just a little bit hard to really grasp on to, to liking him enough to, to worry about his journey. Does the visuals b- bother you at all on it? No, I, I really like the visuals actually. Okay, because um, they, stre- they stretch the format. Like, did it yeah. look like the people were all skinny for a little while? I don't think I've gotten there yet. Well, it's, the whole thing is filmed that way. So it's, it's everything. It's a, it's a bizarre ratio. They filmed it normal and stretched it tall. Yeah. Um, or squished it, whichever way you want to talk about it. Um, so the, it's very, oh. it's slight, but it's there. And it's meant to make you feel a little distorted because he's a dream. Interesting. Um, okay. It's, it gets like, I just the first two episodes are good. The rest of it is great. Okay. Uh, and it yeah, is, I know I need to go back to it. I, it it's something that, that Kendra was really excited about. Yeah. And then we just didn't quite get into it. it. The other thing does that have had, the potential for nightmares. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I will be aware going in. Um, the other thing that, that was weird for me is uh, Assam uh, uh, Caldry is in it. He mm-hmm. plays either Kane or Abel. I can't remember which one. Um, he was in Taskmaster. Yep. So every time I see him in the show, I'm just like, oh, that's that goofy guy from Taskmaster. Yeah. So that 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 takes me out of the movie or the show a, a little bit, but no, sure. it, yeah. Anyway, sorry, it's just Neil Gaiman, and that's that's you, yeah. you, you're talking yeah, about this is the most dark. famous thing, right? Is um, have, have you read the the comic as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. And and it's the the Sandman is the tie between it's how DC connects Watchmen um, to the DC universe. Yeah. Uh, is through the Sandman as part of the this new store. This like because DC was they, clock, right? Uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah. Um, Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock. Okay. Yeah, but the Sandman plays a key role in that. Batman finds him and talks to him and all that kind of stuff. So like that's uh, their one of their big connections to bringing in what I forget um, what publisher Watchmen was from first and and um, Sandman. I forget who published them first, but bringing them in and making them part of DC Universe um, was that. Anyway, sorry, big rabbit trail. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're the Rainmaker and Princess Mononoke? Mononoke, yeah. Mononoke, okay. What else you got? Um, well, I have a lot of others that I really want to talk about. Um, you want to just run through real quick? Yeah, I'm going to run through several real quick, then we'll talk about one. Okay. Um, apparently, 97 was a year for volcanoes because we had both Dante's yes. Peak and Volcano come out, which I think I is hilarious. We talked about Dante's Peak and asked yeah. which one he liked more. Yeah, I, I don't know that I like – I think I like Dante's Peak more than Volcano. But yeah. I don't think either of them are bad movies. Neither of them are great movies, but they're entertaining enough. Um, we did get Hercules, which is one of the better Disney animated movies, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, we got Amistad, which is a great yep. period. Matthew McConaughey, um, Morgan Freeman, lawyer, yep. cr- uh, court uh, movie. Um, we got Starship Troopers, which is a huge cult really following. Really great. Yeah. Um, it's really horrible, but great. Yes. Like it's a horrible movie, but it's awesome um, because of that. It, it's a, um, uh, it's a, what's the word for it? Um, it's, it's, it's a, purposefully uh, yeah. over the top. Yeah. It, uh, it's a, it's a pair, it's a, it's a farce, yes. right? It's, it's a, they didn't explain that ahead of time. Yeah. So I saw it as a child. We saw it and, and we I were, I really thought like, oh yeah, kill those bugs, great. Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't get to me until later when people are like, no one understands Starship Troopers. It's a, it's a farce. And it's like, yeah, oh, 
oh, that's right. I thought it was weird they looked like Nazis at the end. It's like, yeah, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but the movie I want to talk about is one that I think doesn't get enough love. And maybe this is just because I'm a Val Kilmer fan. Um, but the saint. Yeah. Um, I talked about that one too. Yeah. It is, um, what do we got? Where did it go? Oh my goodness. I just had it up and now it's gone. Um, Elizabeth Shue. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic in that. Um, it, uh, it, but it's got really low, um, Tomato meter of a thirty percent tomato meter and a sixty three percent audience score. I think it's. I think the biggest problem with that movie is the fact they called it the Saint, yes. and there's a TV show from the seventies called the Saint. It's the same guy, right? They're, it's the uh, same character. It, it's it's supposed, yeah, kind of, but that that show and this movie have nothing to do. With right, either. right, but that's that's what they made it because of that show. Yeah, um, and I think that's the problem that the movie has is people yeah. went in thinking it was going to be the Roger Moore show, and he was going to like you know uh, help out people while he was on the run, and it's it's much more like the saint part of, is like he creates these characters that are named after saints. Yeah, and yeah, it's not a it's a loose affiliation. Yeah, it's not a fun silly romp. It's it's kind of a cool spy. Right. Um, yeah, it says. Yeah, set in a dying Russia um, in, in a failed, yeah. a failing communism. Um, yeah, and they're trying to solve cold fusion. Right, and yeah. so, um, but yeah, Elizabeth Shue, uh, great um, Rade or Raid, I'm not sure. Um, Serbegia um, plays Ivan Tretiak, and he's a great villain. Um, Alan Armstrong is a guy who. Um, got one of those faces that you know you've seen him in a bunch of stuff but you couldn't tell you you couldn't say what you've seen him in um he's in van helsing um he's in um uh, obviously the saint the mummy returns um sleepy hollow um he's in a fair amount of stuff uh black beauty um so yeah uh kroll awesome that's a great movie um but yeah but he's got one of those faces and so uh it's just a fun um it's a heist movie without being a heist movie. Um, yeah. It's a heist movie, spy movie, um, political commentary, um, science movie. Like it's, it tries to be a lot of things. Um, and for me, just, I just, I enjoyed it the first time I watched it. And it's something that I kind of go back to every now and then. Just, you know, this is just an easy movie to watch yes. and enjoy. Um, I don't have to invest too much, but it's a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Bell Kilmer has, has done a couple of these where, it's movies where people were, were expecting one thing and then got yeah. something else and didn't appreciate what they got. If he's really uh, good in this. Yeah. Um, on, on this uh, page for, for Rotten Tomatoes also has Red Planet, which has a 14% Rotten Tomatoes score. Which is a I good movie. love Red Planet. Yes. So good. But it's not anything like Mission to Mars, which came out the same year. Right. And that's the point. Yeah. Is that you can have two different Mars Yeah. Movies. So but, like, yeah. Yeah, the ones that always jump to mind are like, and they didn't come out the same year, but they came out really close to each other, was The Illusionist and um, The Prestige. The Prestige. Yeah. Yes. They didn't come out the same year, but they came out very close. And yes. um, I think The Illusionist might have been first, uh, yeah. but it didn't get, they didn't market it very, very well. Um, and The yeah. Prestige came out, and then people heard of The Illusionist, went back to watch The Illusionist and go, oh, this is very different. Um, yes. And they, but when, when they compare the two the side same, by side, The Prestige is a much better movie 
but that doesn't make the illusionist a bad movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I enjoy um, the illusionist, not as yep. much as I enjoy the prestige, but I enjoy the illusionist. Armageddon um, and deep impact are both enjoyable <laughs> movies, but like, yeah, they're both doing completely different things. Man, did the nineties love end of world movies. Yes. Oh my goodness. Deep impact Armageddon Dante's peak volcano. Like just, there were so many. I remember. Just, yeah. Yeah. I just remember going, how many times we have, like, is that where we've gotten where we have to blow up the world to have any sort of intrigue? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to get too dark on the, on this, you know, media podcast. Yeah. But it was 2000, uh, 2001 is when that stopped because of nine 11. Yeah. And people were like, Oh, the world really could. could be. And and yeah. Like, yeah. this is not, it, it wasn't a fun fantasy anymore. Right. To watch a building blow up. Right. Well, the right? cold war, the cold war had ended. We were under, we weren't, under comp like i don't know if you remember i remember doing um drop um duck and cover drills in yeah. elementary school and getting underneath the desk and thinking like martin sheen does in um uh west wing this desk is going to protect me from a nuclear blast i don't think so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate the effort but no um but we just finished the cold war and so we finally could do these kind of movies that weren't fighting russia all the time like yeah. that's what the 80s was the 80s was movies fighting russia we had all the rambos we had all this other kind of stuff and then we don't have them anymore. So what's the new yeah. big, big baddie? Well, the world's just going to end because of an asteroid or volcanoes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a great um, uh, kind of storytelling podcast or like video essayist uh, uh, called Lindsay Ellis. And she does a great piece on the difference between Independence Day and mm-hmm. War of the Worlds. And she talks about how like 9-11 happening in the middle uh, is, is a great sort of divide between these two movies of, you know, kind of the fun romp of Independence Day and the world ending and sort of the really dark reality of world, the worlds and the world actually ending. Right. The way that we view um, disaster movies now is just completely different. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we've transitioned as a society to these uh, superhero movies is because the escapism of living in a different world where if a natural disaster were to happen, someone would just save us is sort of a different, right. um, well, that, and the, different yeah. world to live in, right? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the critique on Man of, not Man of Steel. Yeah, Man of Steel. But there's too much property damage, you know, yes. that, that... Well, loss of life. Right, and I'm just like, well, what do you, how else would that have played out? <laughs> and so, to me, story-wise, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, yeah. But it's still hard to watch. Um Anywho, yeah, disaster movies, man. They um not my favorite bag, but some of them are all right. Yeah, I think at the time, I think it, it was definitely a much more fun experience back in the nineties mm-hmm. to to you know. Yeah, for sure. Think about like oh the world ending it. How silly would that be? And then yeah, that sort of transition after. I remember in nineteen ninety nine we got a million Y two K movies. Of the world yeah. ending because of the the Y two K bug. Um, mm-hmm. Kids look that up; it's really silly. Yeah, <laughs> it's very silly. The thought that a computer couldn't calculate from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand. Um, yeah, and that that was going to somehow revert yeah. it back into old times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, good good stuff. I think there was actually one system that did fail because of the. Glitch. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, there was like one one um turbine or something that, that didn't work because of it but that was the only like real 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. computers are, are you know they're programmed by humans and all that, and so yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that you know a one or even two or three failed, but to think that it was going to revert us to the dark ages or medieval yeah. times is just a ludicrous thing. Yeah, um, there's some some silly stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to the saint. This is this is yeah. a really fun fun uh, kind of jaunt. Yeah, it's uh, an escape movie. It, it yeah. reminds me a little bit of a uh, burn notice. We talked about that I think in a previous okay. episode as well. Where yeah. he does these sort of different characters, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's just kind of a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, and Elizabeth Shue is fantastic. She and uh, yeah, Rade uh, Serbezia is the mean Russian in every movie with a mean Russian in it. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's he not always mean though. Um, he's done some good ones. Um, is he a good guy? Uh, he's bad in X Men First Class. He's one of the bad russians yeah um he's a bad russian and taken two he's where's he a good guy he's bad in most in mighty joe young Uh, i'm sure he's bad i don't know that he's bad in space cowboys he kind of is bad yeah (laughs) he's not he's bad but he's not like villain villain like evil villain kind of thing yeah Um, it's a it's an interesting case like <laughs> he's bad they're hiding, at, um, they're hiding Russian missiles on a yeah. US he's bad in shooter yeah um yeah so I don't I may have to take that back Taken 2 bad Mission Impossible 2 bad well he's not actually bad in Mission Impossible 2 he makes a virus that's going to kill everybody but yes. he's not he's right. not exclusively the bad guy no he he's trying to correct it but yeah, yeah. I just want to, I thought I thought that he was um, who's the guy in I'm I'm confusing him with the guy in red. Um yeah, uh that's Brian Cox. Yeah, Brian Cox. He's not Russian at all. Not Russian at all. Very British. Um uh-huh. but yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Sorry about that folks. Um we'll we have gone on some great tangents today. This is how brothers talk. Um so yeah. All right, today real quick, uh we got excited with um foundation or i was excited about foundation gran turismo mclean's excited about three equalizer better known as equalizer three and joyride uh, we talked the town and its uh relationship to argo and ben affleck's directorial skills and how great the town was um but needed some more levity maybe our only critique but strong recommendation yeah uh, definite correct. recommendation for the town and an even stronger recommendation for Arthur for, if you haven't for seen sure it. yeah i agree 100 percent uh mclean recommended akila and the b and fighting with my family i chose to watch fighting with my family so we will be watching that this week and then we finished things up with blast from the past 1997 mclean brought out the rainmaker with matt damon and danny glover and danny DeVito and a whole bunch of others um and princess mononoke with a great American or English cast, voice cast. Um, I brought up The Saint and Stargate SG-1. So really good stuff, really good recommendations this week. Um, you don't have to take them all, but pick one. Yeah, pick one, give it a shot. And, uh, you know, follow along with this Watch Body with my family, which you can stream on Prime Video. Uh, also, let us know you're listening. Let us know any recommendations you have for us. We want to make another fan episode. We find them I personally find them hilarious and awesome. Um, and so we're ready to do some more, but we need those from you. And the best way to get them to us is email at one of us is always right at gmail.com. You can send us that email. Let us know are we doing a good job. What do we need to do better? Recommendations. If you want us to watch, uh, if you're really mad that I picked fighting with my family instead of Aquila and the B, let us know. Um, 
we would we would love that information. Uh, I think that's it. McLean, any final thoughts for the week? No, I'm really excited to watch Fighting with my family again. Uh, and uh, Kendra hasn't seen it, so I'm going to really nice. try to watch it with her. Because um, the last she's been, she's been a little bit too busy to watch uh, the last couple that I recommended. Um, but this one, I'm going to work real hard to, to make sure we're able to Very watch it. Very good. I think it'll be easier to get her to watch a comedy than a, than a long drama. So sure. And we've been kind of dark lately, so this would be a nice, uh, nice yeah. fresh air. So awesome. Well, we will be watching Fighting with My Family. Um, I'm I'm Adam. He's McLean, and we will see you guys next time. Yep. Bye.